Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something deviant and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 287th episode of Cinema PsyOps. I'm your host, Court, with the vocal boast to begin the show, and my co-host that wants to be all the way on the other coast is Matt. (laughs) No shit. Fuck this weather. (laughs) Fucking horrible. (laughs) I waited to dig out till after the weekend because, legally speaking, you're only obligated for 24 hours after the last time that it snows. And I knew it was going to snow again on Sunday, even though it was a light dusting. And I was just under the wire on the 24-hour mark, and all my neighbors said, fuck it, and didn't even touch a thing. Because it's ridiculous at this point. We're buried. I I sent, luckily, you know, because I I do have a a teenage son, so I have free labor. (laughs) And uh, so I sent him out, and the poor kid gets, right as he gets done, it starts snowing again on him. And you're just sitting there like, well, all right. I mean, I'm sure he's sitting there like, you know, I really hate you, Dad. (laughs) Well, for multiple reasons beyond just making him shovel at that moment. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's also very true. (laughs) (laughs) He's at the age now. He's starting to remember all the things that he blocked out and he's starting to hate you for it. I mean, I would if I were him. I'd be like, this is horseshit. Everything you do is bad. And you're a bad parent. That's what I would say to me. I'm no parent. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my goodness. It's so much less fun to bag on you when you just steal all of my thunder. It's like that rap that Eminem pulls off in 8 Mile where he just literally bags on himself uh, the entire rap and then says, yeah. here, now you try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, now I'm you sorry, tell these people something they don't know about me. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh you're very welcome for that sorry court <laughs> you just bury your fucking self 72 feet deep meanwhile i'm just digging this little four foot hole going he 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 this is gonna really bury him <laughs> we're, we're having fun this is fun times right holy shit he just said he was a bad parent wish he was he was dead that's kind of fucked up <laughs> He kind of meant it, too, and I'm a little worried. Like, should I be texting somebody to intervene? No, it's Matt. He's fine. No, it's fine. I mean, and and no one would actually answer the text anyway, so. (laughs) Oh, Jesus wept. Man, I am suffering from a massive fucking headache. I've had it for a little while now. Um, It's all sinuses at this point. Oh, Um, fuck. Well, it's the dry air and being, you know, inside for this ridiculous weather. Did you did you see the forecast prediction from a couple days ago? They even made a joke about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Yeah. So it was basically like for the week, right? Sunday through Friday, it was eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. Right. Yeah. Was what Uh, they were projecting here in Omaha. Yeah. Our low on Saturday night is going to be negative (laughs) 17. I didn't even know that was real. So, uh, a guy. Oh, uh, people in Minnesota are laughing in Sub Zero. Probably, yeah. And then, but I mean, there's a meteorologist up in Michigan who's like, all average temperatures right around our areas here in the Midwest and Upper Midwest are all going to be negative fifty five degrees a- on average. How insane I, is that? I'm like, I'm like, fuck February. You are a real bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a cold. Dark fucking Valentine's, Matt. <laughs> it's it's going to be a damn cold winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, nobody trusts anybody anymore, and we're all very tired. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. It's like, I'm done. Everyone's side-eyeing everyone else. <laughs> fucking everyone's looking at one another like they're food now. It's fucking really bad. <laughs> or at least Army Hammer is looking at everyone like they're food now. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just want to just want to point out. I don't care if he has cannibal fantasies, and I don't care if he's into BDSM. I care about if or not he victimized somebody, and it's looking like he may have. So, oof, yeah. <laughs> what a what an incredible dick. Yeah, it's it's all about consent, folks. So don't abuse people. I mean, pure and what? simple. <laughs> I think one of the funniest things now is uh, Marilyn Manson is starting to get beatued, and I'm like, and everyone's shocked that Marilyn Manson's an asshole. Well, a lot of people, I think, were trying to give him the benefit of the doubt that this was a character kind of thing. But anybody yeah. who has paid attention to any of his lyrics at all, even remotely, can see a history of this kind of behavior being rather prevalent in his preferences. So, yeah. <laughs> but the, yes. the only one who says that she's like, I wasn't abused at all or nothing happened without my consent was v- Dita Von Teese. That's the only one. Almost every other girlfriend's come out and said, yeah, he was he was a real piece of shit. Well, and there's been other incidents as well. And the shit's in his book, too. I remember reading yeah. a section in his book where he was like talking about how he created this like crucifixion device where the more you struggled, the more you ended up hanging yourself with a noose around your neck. And he would put fans on it that wanted to hang out with them backstage and ask them a bunch of uncomfortable questions about themselves and belittle them for his and his bandmates amusement in this device. And no one said or did anything to stop him from doing this kind of thing. And that was in his book. I remember reading that like a long fucking time ago. What an incredible asshole. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. So I am not shocked at all. And I have not been a fan of Manson's for a while now. Yeah. I always <laughs> thought, I didn't, I never thought you'd be a fan of Manson. I don't know. I just, I thought you you went a little more hardcore than Manson. So I, I, it wasn't that I had an issue with the music. It just didn't suit me. It was the man himself. Uh, I gotcha. All it really well, took was reading his biography. And I'm like, yeah, I'm done. For the thing that he yeah. wrote about himself. This is how he wanted to present himself to the world. And he was a dick in my book back then. And this only confirms it and makes it seem like it. It was so much worse. And it's something that we need to talk about and sort of deal with because I'm sure that runs around in the circles of everybody that listens to this show at one point in time somehow may have been exposed to the man's music because it's in every fucking horror film in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> in, yeah, this is, the, this is true. In the 20 aughts, it's even in John Wick. You can't even watch a fucking Keanu Reeves movie without being bombarded by Manson horse shit. And I didn't like it because I didn't like the man then when it was first put out. <laughs> and I saw that in the movie. I didn't like having Manson's music in it. Uh, it makes it difficult to enjoy a lot of entertainment that this motherfucker's in as well. But it's something that we need to talk about. It rolls around in our circles as well. And yeah. this is one of those things where if you are finding yourself in the default position of defending Manson, there is a plethora of evidence to the contrary. And you need to really reconsider what it is that you're trying to defend. Yeah, you got to watch out who you're backing, man. I <laughs> that's, mean, that's... It's, it's not the hill you want to die on. No, you don't. This is not where you want to go out. He's been me too pretty effectively, so... <laughs> yeah, and it's pretty fucking grotesque. The more you see about this man, the the less you can be a fan. And we're we're going all over the place. We're bitching about snow. We're talking about yeah. topical topics of uh, various people that have uh, had dark fantasies ousted, and then also had their grooming habits to be able to have unwitting victims be uh, <laughs> at their disposal. We've discussed that as well. All of this comes full circle, actually, except for the snow for our film this week. The Dead Are Alive, yes. actually. The Dead Are Alive, which there are no real good male characters at all in this. <laughs> I would argue that there's really no good people in this film at all. That's maybe not bad either, yeah. I, everybody is deeply flawed in some way, shape, or form. The closest is the character that Samantha Egar plays, but she is a very troubled woman who needs a lot of help and is in yeah. serious denial about her cycles of uh, choosing abusers, which we brought it up. This is very pertinent for the film, so I'm I'm totally fine with the discussion that we just had about it. There yeah, is agree. there is a history of abuse in this woman's life, and there is a lot of very uncomfortable, well, not consummated, but full-fledged fucking assaults uh, of a sexual nature in this film, uh, mostly perpetuated on Samantha Egar. She is grabbed, Roped and mistreated by just about every single man in her life in this film. Yeah, like really fucking, I mean, holy shit, the guy who's supposed to be our fucking hero is fucking, I wanted him dead real fast. He is definitely not a hero. He just happens to be the wrong guy at the right situation. That's uh, that's yeah. how this is how Giallo works. This is yeah. a pure Giallo film. We've kind of dipped our toes into Giallo. We've done some Giallo here and there and we've kind of covered Giallo, but this is by far the most Gialli Giallo we've covered in a while. Um, it's the most Giallo that's ever Gialloed? It ticks. See, the thing about Giallo is there's a whole lot of box ticking that you gotta do. There's a whole 
whole like series of things that you always have to include in your film. And it's yeah. just it's just typical box ticking. And sometimes they just lift other scenes from other giallos and redo it their way. Um, sometimes they kind of make a little twist on it and they do it differently. And this is The Dead or Alive is the most box ticking giallo I've watched in a long time. Uh, whether or not they're ticking all of those boxes effectively and whether or not things work for me, we will discuss when we actually talk about the film. But by far, the setup of this is 100% the most box ticking giallo <laughs> that we've we've covered in a while. Uh, even more so than when we did like Death Laid an Egg and some of the proto giallo stuff that we talked about earlier. Um, and like even like Weekend Murders where it was like an Agatha Christie giallo, that ticked a lot of giallo boxes. But this one doesn't just tick them. This one obsessively fills them in like a standardized test circle to the point where it goes right up to the line perfectly or ticking the boxes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it really makes sure that it's like this is 100% a giallo and then it gets sold as this thing where are the dead coming back and causing this to happen is this supernatural they try to throw the supernatural twirl in there and the trailer really pushes it and a lot of the uh, a lot of the american uh, sales pitches for it were really trying to make you think like maybe the dead were coming back or maybe there is like a, a haunting kind of thing or a curse of the tomb going on or something supernatural. But yeah. no, this is 100% straight up jally with a little bit of supernatural stuff kind of thrown in and just sprinkled into just give you a little bit of flavor of something else. You know, that's, that's what's going on with this flick. I'm saying that now because when I bought it and the cover that it is, it's like this bisected dude where like half his face is uh, all revealed to be like, you know, muscle and things underneath and it looks all damaged and you know it's kind of bloody and gross i'm like ooh, cool is this a zombie yeah. flick and then yeah, when i right? watched it, that's what i thought when i saw the title right and then when i watched it i'm like oh no this is 100 a giallo all right i'm still in movie let's go that that was that's, that's what basically happened for me this week let's see what's let's see what's up with you <laughs> yeah absolutely so instead of beating around the bush talking about it let's take the break here we'll have the patreon ad for legion and a little bit of music and when we come back we'll do the trailer for the dead are alive this will keep it quiet oh hi there i didn't see you you call me cutting a new show i'm bo ransdell and i'm one of the many creators you can find on legion podcasts i said quiet my fellow podcasters and i work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon. And for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Now back to the cutting room.
okay, we're getting it a little bit funky in here because the movie's yeah. taking place in the 70s, and it's the best I could do because the sound was awful in this. It was all staticky, and, well, you'll hear it in Matt's clips. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you may even hear some of it in this trailer. Lovers, beware. There's no place to hide when the dead are alive. Remember, this is a tomb that's been closed for 2,500 years. Now you see Tococa with a club in his hand murdering two young Etruscans in almost exactly the same way as the first young couple on the motorbike kill. It's the macabre touch, the way the bodies were laid out. Jason, are you trying to frighten me? I only want the truth. Nikos is trying to pin those murders on me. They are not creatures of the night or of the grave. But spirits of the dead, aroused by passion, who watch and wait and strike without warning. And there's no place to hide when the dead are alive. I want to see whatever the fuck that movie's trying to be sold as. I uh, know, right? Because <laughs> that doesn't sound like this movie. No, it sounds like the blind dead coming after horny teens, which I'm down with. Yeah, I mean, that would also be nice. <laughs> uh... <laughs> So, all right, well, the first 20 minutes of The Dead Are Alive. Uh, a group of archaeologists are studying an ancient culture buried for 2,000 years. They're going to you know, uh, lower in a camera uh, remotely, and uh, in, in, not instead of because they can't enter the tomb, but they're going to take pictures of it. While investigating, it starts to rain, so they get a little worried, they get all their equipment, and they run back into their uh, little, uh, like, trailer. You didn't say, but uh, specifically, they are doing it this way because this tomb has not been opened in 2,000 years. Yeah, it's been buried for 2,000 years, so they're having to, they're sending, like, a probe-type thing down there. Yeah, it's to, it's a special uh like a special yeah. probe that actually will but, allow all the light in and it will take like not necessarily a three sixty photo, but it takes like a huge panoramic view so they can get like big shots of seeing what's going on down there using this camera with this special film instead of them going in and disturbing it just yet in the tomb. Yeah, and then plus they they're not allowed to go into the tomb anyway. So they gotta get permission to go into the tomb. Right, because it hasn't been disrupted for two thousand years and this is the most that they're gonna get. And yeah, the rain exactly. is the rain is concerning them is because they've opened up the tomb and they don't want it flooding and they've got a hole where the yeah. probe is. So they gotta find a way to keep it from flooding from the rain because that'll ruin everything for everyone yes and then everyone's gonna have a bad time and no one's gonna be happy (laughs) right so uh, what they decided to do is they cover everything up and they rush in. Well, they did get some pictures, so uh, they immediately go to check those out. And um, the one of the photos they get is a great image of Isotoka, is what I got. And that is their demon god. So the head archaeologist, uh, he's he's pretty thrilled about that. Well, as the rain stops, a, a couple decides they're going to head on out, and so they leave. Uh, they decide they're going to go, you know, mess around in this area. So they evade a guard, hop a fence, and they uh, start going into a cave. And then we see the scary demon god's eyes, uh, and, you know, things are getting scary. Um, <laughs> as they tend to do when a scary demon guy shows up. Yeah, I mean, when a scary demon god guy decides to show up and be a total dick and cock block everybody. He's the demon god of cock blocking, apparently. <laughs> so he's not the last no he's not but uh so he uh 
they find an area and they start getting down, but then they are beaten to death with something that looks mysteriously like the little cylinder for the camera probe. And they are both beaten to death. And it's uh, brutal too. It's but, uh, yeah, yeah. It it takes its time. You see each of the hits. There's a couple yep. of shots where you can see the probe prop that they're being beaten with bends really bad, like it's just cardboard that's spray painted. But pretty much, it's but hey. the the dull clunking noises that the thing makes whenever it's hitting the people is really kind of grotesque too. It really, it's not, it's not pretty. And they make they do some good acting on them by uh, you know acting like they're getting just absolutely destroyed. Yeah. So the only thing that's kind of the downside to this is that '70s blood. But there was a couple of shots in this film where some the of the blood paint. was more red and looked like actual blood or close to movie blood more so than that like thick tempera paint that we got in the 70s from the stage blood that got used so often that's true yep and um so anyway um the next morning the lead archaeologist guy he's having trouble with this car because this car is a, a vw bug and it is old and a piece of shit i'm like i've seen fucking better fucking guns or <laughs> better cars like from like uh, uh, from like heroin addicts have better fucking cars than this guy does. Not not a lot of money in archaeological digging, I guess. I would suggest that the funds that this man have go to another type of fuel being dumped down something else. Yeah, he he's he's way into booze. So <laughs> yeah, so I'm guessing his car's a piece of shit because he's crashed it several times and banged out the fender himself and been the subject of several hit and runs but hasn't been caught yet. Yeah, probably. So, um... The guy's a piece uh, of shit. (laughs) Yeah. As this is happening, he's being watched by an old man out in the trees and a young woman from a window. Anyway, we cut to that old guy and young woman talking, and that's our first clip. I was just reading in this book about a young child in Holland who suddenly began speaking in an ancient French dialect. You know, one can't help but believe in reincarnation when one reads a book of this kind. Going out? Insomnia? Or has your interest in archaeology been revived? Something I can help you with? No, Nikos, I don't think so. I thought inviting him here would be a good therapy for you, but if it isn't working out, I'd be very happy to ask him to leave. You won't have to. Jason is an alcoholic, my dear. There's no hope for him. Thank you, Irene. You're an angel. But you are also a stupid bitch! You must have had these copied by a bunch of blind men. How could you let these mistakes get by you? How can I work with all this incompetence around me? I ask you, how? Is my son back? I didn't see him come in last night. I don't know, Maestro. I don't know, Maestro. I don't know, Maestro. Is that all you know? All you know has to lick my boots. If you ask me to, I'll do that as well, Maestro. I'm sorry, Irene. We're all overwrought these days. 
in this, pretty much every single male is an abusive fucking asshole yeah. to somebody, if not so everybody. We, we find out that shit stain archaeologist is a fucking alcoholic, and we find out that the old man is that woman's husband, and he's a dick to, well, he's not really dick to her right there. He was just trying to convince her that he's an alcoholic, stay away from him. But he is definitely an abusive fuck to his assistant. Well, the way he was treating this would-be wife that is the former lover or ex-wife of the drunken archaeologist piece of yeah. shit, you can tell that he is extremely controlling and trying to tell her what to do. He even grabs her face and, like, forcibly and kisses, kisses her. her. Forcibly yeah. so. Like, like a very controlling, like, you're my property, I'm staking my claim, this is my spit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking gross. Yeah, this guy's, um... He's not a good guy. Uh, and I even in I the hope. context of what would be happening at the time in the 70s, because in a Giallo film, men slapping around women is something that happens. It, it happens quite frequently. Men dominating or being somewhat physically uh, menacing on a woman or even just slapping her. And then they immediately start making love or something like that. It happens in Giallo films. It's uncomfortable. It's something that you kind of have to deal with. And it was, you know, the whole machismo bullshit where they, they, they played it up like that. But fucking gross in this film when they're showing it they're not doing that to where they're trying to make these guys seem like they're more manly they're not trying to show that it's machismo they're showing some serious history of violence and abuse from these people yeah the, the stuff that is going on they're actually showing a pattern of abusive behavior and it's going to become a key point in the film and sort of a plot point as well so it's something to keep in mind and keep in the back of your head because this type of giallo is not going to give you clues as to who the killer is it's going to show you various traumas and then you have to try and gauge who it might be that is reacting to all of these various triggers yeah, that's right? how giallo works man Ugh. anyway jason the lead archaeologist and another guy they go into their trailer and they see the probes missing and he thinks he's mis you know he, jason thinks the assistants re misplaced it and the assistants say hey you're the one who had it maybe you forgot where you put it because apparently jason's memory's fucked more than mine apparently this guy can uh, apparently you know drink me under the table which you know fucking i doubt but well you know i'd, I'd go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him fuck this guy uh, he's drinking until he's blacked out this is what this guy does on a regular basis and his hands yeah. are shaking in various parts of the movie whenever he's confronting or being confronted by someone about his alcoholism because he needs another drink. He's shaking because he can't fucking handle it. And he's got booze stashed places. He's got J and B fucking hip flask bottles stashed in various places to keep yeah. his sips going so that he can keep from getting the shakes throughout the day. He's pretty far fucking gone. You like to joke about how much you like to drink, but yeah, I don't, I, I'm not that bad. No, <laughs> this guy is one good day away from drinking himself literally to death from what they're yeah. showing us and you know what not a big loss wouldn't would not be a big loss <laughs> no not at all fuck this guy yeah he's a piece and of shit he is definitely a piece of shit um so then uh they argue and they also notice that it looks like someone broke in because he also notices his tape recorder is missing um and then he starts looking up and looks at the blown up pics of the demon so they they blew up the pictures they took of the demon uh then we cut to we see these uh dead bodies of the two the couple that we saw are being dragged away someplace 
And then uh, the wife, she meets up with Jason. He tries to, uh, this is his ex, he tries to seduce her and she rebuffs him, tries to leave. So then he gets all fucking rapey. He tears her down to the ground and is like, he throws her down a fucking hill, like a ditch hill, rolling in the mud with her. And then when she gets down to the bottom, he just climbs on top of her and starts to sexually assault her. This is full fledged. Sexual fucking assault. It's disgusting. It definitely is. Yeah. You are not wrong. And it is disgusting. And they're trying to it sell it horrific. like it's him being passionate and full of love, and that's how she seems like she's supposed to be taking it. No, fuck that. Yeah, no, fuck fuck that in a large level. He's trying to rape her. And she yells that it's finished. So then he finally for some reason stops and actually gets up and listens to her, thankfully. Um the worst is and, when he's telling her how much he still loves her while he's yeah. doing all of this. It's fucking gross. Oh, it is horrific. Just fucking horrific. Um, So he walks away, and then we see the killer plays the recorder, and some music plays. Myra is the woman's name. She goes out, and she's kind of walking away, and she actually finds the bodies in the cave and runs right into Jason, and she embraces him. Um, Authorities then interview Jason, and that is our next clip. When you heard it the first time... That chorus, that music. Were you alone? Do you remember? Yes, I was alone. Mm-hmm. How long were you alone before Madame Samarakis came out of the tomb? I didn't look at my watch. <laughs> no, of course not. Professor Porter, would you mind? Your autograph. As I was saying, Professor, I am not particularly surprised by the ferocity of the crime. I've seen worse. It's the macabre touch. The way the bodies were laid out. Disturbing, don't you think? Placed there like, uh, like, uh... Like sculptures on a sarcophagus. That's right. What do you make of it? Trying to think like a murderer isn't my specialty. It's yours, isn't it? I've been trying to do just that. If you ask me, it's clear. A sex maniac. But a rather unusual maniac. With a strange sideline. A hobby. A druscology. Files, eh? What would we do without them? Oh, yes, sir. We have millions of files. Every criminal is carefully classified. Arsonists, drug addicts, sadists, alcoholics. But you've never come across... A murderer whose hobby is Etruscan art? No. (laughs) All the same, I'm counting a lot on your help, Professor Porter. Sometimes a slight hint can give us the whole picture. That's a nasty scratch on your neck. I love cats, but they don't love me. You better disinfect it. A little alcohol should do the trick. With cats, 
You never know. All right, there's a couple things happening in that clip we need to talk about. There's a visual yes. clue with the hip flask of J&B that we were talking about earlier. That was in his quote-unquote files while the cop was interviewing him. The scratches on the dude's neck were very clearly claw marks, which we're assuming came from his would-be ex-wife whenever he dragged her down a fucking ditch to attempt to rape her. She yes. hopefully scratched him to defend herself, which makes him look far worse than just being the sick fuck that he is. It now makes him look like he is a murderer and that those claw marks happened in the pursuit of a murder. So this cop is getting the right kind of vibes about this guy. This is the one time in the movie where the suspicious police are kind of getting it right because this guy's all kinds of sus right now. Oh, he is big time sus. Yeah, he's very suspicious. Extremely so, so yeah. yeah. And, and I, by the way, that was the end of the first 20 minutes. Yeah, okay. Well, I don't like anybody in this, except no. for Samantha Eggers' character. I really feel bad for her the whole way through this, and I don't think she really does anything I, I horrible to say, she's anybody. Probably been, she's probably been abused all her life. If these are the men she seeks out. Unfortunately, ex, yes. She, new, she's, I'm sure she was abused or, or or some father figure in her life took advantage of her. She was definitely mistreated and believes that the type of physical abuse and or emotional manipulation that she's getting is normal, which is why she's reacting that way. So she probably has been treated this way by both her father and her mother. Probably, for, yeah. For quite a while. And then having the alcoholic husband guy that we are now being subjected to to become the character we have to follow he's our protagonist which does not mean hero just the main character of the story yes exactly <laughs> our protagonist that we're forced to follow clearly may have intended to try and be a good husband and may have thought he was loving her and treating her with respect but he is very clearly not when we see the flashbacks and the way that he just acts throwing her down the ditch alone is all sorts of fuck you dude you're done <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and it's it's hard to watch this film. I really freely admit it. I had to force myself to watch it a second time tonight before we recorded, Matt, because I was having a very hard time paying attention to this film because I just could not get past how much I hated this main character. Well, I don't blame you, man. I This movie was hard to watch for me because just, yeah, there, there's no one really to root for. No, it's, it's, it's a heel program, and I don't mind yeah. heel programs. It just so happens that every one of the heels in the movie are the kind of heels where you really, really hate them. They're the ones that make you pop the most. Yeah. <laughs> and I just was, yeah. I just you was. You want to see these, all these heels just get destroyed. Right. And it's just, it just goes on forever and it just keeps getting worse because they just keep bringing in more characters that you hate the longer that they go because they got to bring in people that make our main character who is a huge piece of shit seem like not such a bad piece of shit. And yeah. it just keeps getting worse from here folks so strap the fuck in strap in folks because we're in for it uh so anyway uh so then we start the next 20 minutes um jason and two others the son of uh the maestro the old fella his name's uh, uh igor and uh myra they're gonna go to spoleto which is a town uh the nearest town um and they, you know, convince him to go along and tell him not to mention the crime 
uh, to his father because they don't think he can really understand or take it. Uh, they also so, mentioned something about him having a bad heart or something too. Yeah, right? yeah. And then, by the way, in that thing where he was bitching out his fucking assistant, he was looking for his heart pills that she gave to him. So she gave him heart pills that helped him continue to live, and then he has the audacity to talk to her the way he did. Makes him even more of a shit. Right. Like you can't get worked up like that whenever your heart is suspect. One of the reasons yeah. I've been working on my anger issues is. Is just very much that because that kind of adrenaline rush that I get whenever my anger really gets going is really bad for me. And the older I get, the worse it's going to be. So I have to find a way to rein it in. Otherwise, I'm going to bust a fucking main line. Sam, I had to start doing that years ago. I had to learn how to calm myself down because I would get way too strung up because, yeah, my heart will just simply go, okay, that's fine. Bye. And then it will explode in my chest like a fucking alien. Yeah, it'll be scanners time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we find out that uh, Igor's father, he is a conductor, and uh, he, we see him at practice, and uh, he is all pissed off as no one's playing very well, so he's, again, being a dick to everybody. Uh, those three get to this rehearsal. A cop also shows up, and he figures out uh, that the shoes they found on the young lady, the bodies, well, they're stolen shoes from this show. Well, it's really hard to follow these sometimes. There's definitely two sets of shoes missing. Yeah, oh, two sets of shoes missing, then they must both be on the bodies. The boy and the girl who were in the cave. Yeah. Jesus, it's hard to follow sometimes. They get all fucking... But only the girl has the shoes, so there's a set of shoes yeah, out there so there's another se- Yeah. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So the son and <laughs> another uh, young lady, they go into the field and they're flirting already, and the son says he's worried about the director. The cops took a, the director of the play away, thinking that, you know, hey, he's probably in charge of the shoes. Not the father, who's only the conductor, but this symphony is going along with a play. So the, they took the director of the play away yeah it's a like a musical or something and he's yeah. the, he's the musical conductor or they're yes. doing some kind of stage play over top of a classical music piece it's very unclear because whatever they're rehearsing you don't know what the fuck is going on half the time and it's very chaotic by the way yeah. uh theater production that is very troubled and being uh you know, the, the set is being uh, creeped upon by a killer. Uh-huh. That's a giallo box ticked. Oh, is it? Nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, people hanging out in old-timey ruins and or tombs and uh, getting killed. That's a giallo box ticked. <laughs> Back streets so, of uh, Italy where all of this stuff has taken place where we see people wandering around and, you know, all these weird, like, roads through various, like, buildings and stuff like that with city chases. Right. Uh, that's a box that's checked soon. We're just ticking a bunch of boxes. Right. Like the, like I said, this is the most giallo box check in giallo I've seen in a really long time. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the son is worried about the director and uh, it, it, after the cops took him. He says, you know, I know you like it out here. We'll come back later and they leave so then we cut to the maestro his wife and his assistant are having a meal and they are talking about uh steven who is the director um they're talking about whether he could be guilty or not well he actually shows up at the dinner and he says he's innocent and the cops had to let him go because they couldn't find any evidence but he also says the cop is looking at each and every one of them really deeply. He does not like any of the people. And I'm like, wow, for once, I completely agree with the police officer. And his instincts are dead on. You should not like any of these people. This is where I think the film angers me the most, Matt, is I'm agreeing with the cop. And there's no place in a giallo for anyone to be agreeing with the police. <laughs> 
uh, this is one box it doesn't check off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's an egregious one at that, because the police are supposed to. Well, they're still kind of bumbling dummies, so they're they're yeah. doing their job there. Uh, so Both anyway, cops are bumbling um, dummies. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jason is driving around, and all of a sudden, a horse. Oh, he almost hits a horse, and he sees that this horse got out of the stable. So he goes into the stable that's open. He walks in. And he sees the girl from the field, and she is dead wearing those shoes this is the second set of bodies yes with the shoes and then he, then he goes over and sees the maestro's son igor he's uh, there and he's badly beaten or looks to be badly beaten but alive yeah he's the, barely breathing but he is all sorts of fucked up too yeah he uh, the cops are investigating but igor is fine uh they say they tell jason but he's not ready to talk yet he'll um, live and, but he's kind of fucked up and a little beat yeah. up and the cops post guards at the door no one can see him uh no uh, then uh the cop is interviewing the assistant lady and asks when's the last time they've seen the maestro and no one has seen him uh but he left uh his rehearsal hours ago but no one has seen him uh all of a sudden he does drive up and when he was told about his son he didn't seem shocked of the news he seemed rather calm about it uh almost like he doesn't give a shit about his own kid it's quite possible um jason and myra the the wife of the maestro they talk and that's our next clip you're suffering too much what are you trying to say jason he's beautiful you're beautiful he's young you're young you're always together you mean igor and i you're mad i mean igor is a child What's so mad about it? It's a classic story. A rich husband, old, impotent, and a pretty young wife, who's a confirmed whore making it with everybody in sight. You're jealous of a child? Answer me, Jason. I mean, is that what you really, really think of me? You're not needed here, Jason. The police are looking for you. It seems you are the only witness. There's a two-hour gap in your story, Professor Porter. I drove over the same route, and I drove at normal speed, believe me. It took me barely half an hour. How can you explain that, hmm? The same way I explained it before. This car is held together with spit and chewing gum. It took me at least 10 minutes to get it started. Then on the way back here, one of the ignition wires fell off and the car stopped. Not much of an alibi, is it? This is absurd. And you should be the first to realize it. And you should realize, Professor, that you are in a very tricky situation. If you're accusing me, arrest me. Chief? It's Sergeant Vitanza. Excuse me. Vitanza has talked with the boy. Young Igor didn't see much. But he's positive it wasn't anyone he knows. (laughs) At a quick glance, have you ever mistaken a Greek part for an Etruscan one? It could happen, couldn't it? Never. We'll be seeing each other, Professor Porter. You won't be leaving the vicinity, will you? 
I work here, remember? So, kind of clears anyone the boy knows. So now the cops are kind of back to square one. Um, And by the way, Jason's a real piece of shit for how he talked to that uh, Myra. Holy fuck. Just called her a confirmed whore. What a little bitch. Okay, if they had some kind of prearranged way that they could talk to each other in such a way, because there are some folks that um they get off on belittling each other. Yeah. It's kind of their kink, but it did didn't seem that that was the case to me. It seems like he's an insecure, really fucked up, petty little man who is accusing her of a bunch of shit when he's the one getting all weird and handsy with his would-be assistant and also abusive and fucking horrible to her, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the classic abuser thing of accusing your victim of doing that which you are guilty of. Yeah, it's... It's horrific. Well, and by the way, the one calling her a whore, that was Jason, not even her husband. (laughs) So Jason's just sitting there going, yeah, you're a whore. So he's jealous. And it's like, holy shit, man. Jason's our would-be protagonist, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, You're not even together with her in any sense. You do not. She doesn't owe you jack shit. And you're acting like this. Well, he's very clearly a jealous fuck who also can't handle the fact that she is with someone else and isn't constantly fawning all over him because he needs his victim to abuse because he is a piece of shit so it's very much all the same thing whether it's the old maestro and what he does with his side piece or this fucking guy and his horse shit of being wanting her back to be able to abuse her again (laughs) horse shit bad shit yeah hard to watch very much so we always see scenes of the doctor talking to the uh, or the cop talking to to our archaeologist Jason's associates. Uh, Jason then gets a call and is told by a woman's voice to leave the, uh, the this culture and this burial and this tomb alone and to go ahead and take what he actually came for, Myra, and leave. Irene then walks in and after he hangs up, she says there have been many other calls that have uh, uh, made the maestro very upset and asked what that call was about. Uh, and that actually goes into, that ends a 20 minute mark and rides right in to the next 20 minute mark of this then he sees a door close and he goes running through it to see if somebody is watching him he goes through and he finds the director is in this i don't, I don't know if it's a kitchen or what it was but he's pretty much cooking over an open inflate some sausages um he says he really couldn't stand to stay in the hotel anymore and jason questions why he would want to stay at this place where all this kind of bad stuff has been happening so i mean it's a good enough question the director freaks out on Jason a little bit, but I mean, fuck him too. The director doesn't seem that much better of a person either. Yeah, I don't like his character either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's all pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> it's everyone here is is is, is a pretty shit human being. <laughs> they're pretty bad people, yes, or they're yeah. being victimized and they need to get away from these bad people. Yeah, it's just horrendous. So, uh, Jason then is unable to sleep that night, and he sees the pick of his the demon god is gone, the picture he had. So, he sees a flashlight uh, outside, and he decides to investigate. He's in the stables, where he starts to hear heavy breathing. As he climbs up to the stable, all of a sudden he sees a burning picture of the demon that causes him to fall off and down into the hay, and he runs out. Uh, then, as he's crawling around, he sees uh, the uh, Myra. She's outside, and she's calling for Nikos, who is the maestro. Uh, She goes inside and finds him playing the piano, where he then just goes ahead and accuses her of cheating with Jason, 
and then gets all fucking angry at her and then asks for a good night kiss. Yeah. User's playbook right there, all laid yeah. out right in front of you. Pretty much. Gross. Yeah. It's pretty disgusting. I mean, holy fuck. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to think when I think of that kind of shit. It's like, can we not, can you guys not be just the most horrible people ever? <laughs> we can keep bitching about every single instance of this or we'll be, yeah, but we'll just, be here for fucking hours. So we might yeah, as well you're just, right. let's move on. I, I just, it was just a, okay, now I'll give you a good night kiss. And I was like, you fucking gross bastard. The turn on a dime. He got to put her in her place, quote unquote, already. Yeah. So now he's going to be all sweet and loving again. So then uh, the next day, Jason goes into his workplace and he finds it empty of all the artifacts he's gotten and that actually leads to our next clip i took them professor i have a customer everybody's a joker around here and i don't feel like laughing this is no joke it's a business matter now you listen to me i don't like you i never have I'll give you exactly one hour to put everything back where it was. You understand? Professor, I'm with a big organization. How about 2,000 for a start? Dollars, I mean. We've got a gold mine out there. You're gonna do what I told you, and you're gonna do it right now, you understand? Recognize this? I'm being friendly, Professor. What should I do with it? Myra, don't drive me crazy. I can't control myself when I drink. You know that. I understand. A man can drink a little too much. He writes something, a threat to murder somebody, a woman maybe, or her husband. Where'd you get this? Can't you guess? You better do something about your memory. I'll help you out. I was there. The evening before they found those two kids in the tomb. I was on guard duty at the excavations. And I found that letter. And a bottle. One just like this. I saved it. Without spoiling the fingerprints. Like a real detective. You don't remember that night? You can forget those few Etruscan pots of mine, can't you? I've got a family. A phone call, then. It was you. Phone call? I never do business on the phone. Too risky. So, a would-be killer slash blackmailer sort of scummy guy pulling some shit, trying to manipulate someone into making them do something they don't want to do with blackmail? That's yeah. a jello box ticked. Yeah, there you go. Uh, that's definitely a jello box tick. You're right. <laughs> Holy shit. And it's, So, again, and this is supposed to be a guard, so another shit character. Who, you know, fuck just fucks with everybody. So thanks, I guess. Right. Well, and I love how the guy was getting all handsy and was about to beat the shit out of him for stealing the pots and everything. And then yeah. immediately gets put in his place by, oh, by the way, you drunk fuck. This letter is going to be real interesting to the police. So a couple more yeah. pots about to fall off the back of the truck, if you know what I'm saying. And you're going to let it happen. Yeah, you're definitely going to let it happen. <laughs> so don't get all fucking uppity with me. Cause you'll you know you'll be in a lot of trouble <laughs> um 
So then we cut to Jason's at the hospital. He's getting on an elevator and he sees this blonde woman walk out. When he and another guy get in, the guy comments on her perfume. Well, Jason visits Edgar and he smells the same perfume as in the elevator. He asks about it and he, Edgar says, oh, it's from my x-ray technician lady. She just pours it on. Uh, and then he also says he doesn't remember much about uh, the, uh, the, the uh, attack on him. But that all seems rather fishy. It seems all rather suspicious. <laughs> so um could it be red herring matt red herring <laughs> and i know who it is it's red herring so um uh then the uh cops go over the crime scene with jason and he just kind of gets fed up and then walks out and he sees myra there and with other cops the cop questions his memory about you know being an alcoholic and about his stint in the hospital we see a flashback of him acting all sorts of crazy with orderlies trying to get him inside the hospital. So, uh, this guy's had himself a past, uh, and it's not looking good for him right now. Yes, he is having a very difficult time with his life. He yeah. seems like he came out the other side of it and he sort of cleared himself up, but he's been drinking more and more, and we're starting to see it happening on camera more and more. And then they're revealing some of his very dark past, and the film itself is trying to make us suspect that our main character is also a killer and there's something very seriously wrong with him. His name should be Red Herring. It really, really, really should. <laughs> so, um, they also then, uh, then they questioned Jason about his attempted murder charge he was cleared of, of Myra, the wife. So then Jason gets Myra alone and he starts asking her what they're talking about. Uh, we see flashbacks of him and Myra living their life, but he's always constantly drinking in it. And he like going through, he's like, I always loved you. He goes, sure, maybe I got too drunk and roughed you up a bit. Like that's not supposed to be a big fucking deal. What a dick. He goes, but I never would have hurt you because I loved you. She opens up her shirt to show a scar in her chest. She starts telling him the story about what happened because she's shocked. He truly doesn't remember um, that she was was uh he she found a hiding spot with a bottle and when she tried to take it away from him but before she could continue with the story they see a man taking their picture together jason runs the man down beats him a little bit wants to know who sent him and that ends that 20 minutes it's important to note the flashback of them living their lives together there are scenes of them fighting over him drinking where she's trying to snatch a bottle from him yeah and then he takes it back violently. There's a couple of backhands involved, and he's basically tossing her around and beating her whenever she tries to interfere with his drinking. And he is constantly drunk, like all the time. They barely ever look like they're happy because she's always trying to get the bottle out of his fucking hand. Pretty and much. He does say that he drank too much and that he got violent. But in those flashbacks, he is physically abusing her while drunk. And it's yeah. obvious and it's harrowing. And it was borderline triggering in some spots because you could really see like the angry, bitter fucking Irish virus kind of drunk. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, some how he believes life owes him something and you know or yeah like somehow in this situation he was wronged because she left him from how he was treating her and he hasn't even stopped drinking and feels as though she needs to come back to him and she even says that the man she's currently with was just a way to try and get over him like she's still in yeah. love with him like everything he was doing was actually kind of okay it's just maybe he drank too much is it's like how this movie's trying to show us th what's going on and it's just gross it's just d fucking disgusting yeah so again a little bit more 
fuck you movie <gasps> just fuck this character of jason man he's just yeah. terrible I agree. He is just a fucking worthless. So we start the next 20 minutes. Uh, we're at play rehearsal now, and Jason shows up. And we see, by the way, the director and him make eye contact. The director must have sent that photographer. Jason holds up the camera, and he runs off. Jason gives chase, and we get a little bit of a car chase. Uh, tell me, is this... Yeah, the car chase, the uh, the alleyway car chase. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a jello box being ticked. Okay, it starts with a foot race into a car yeah. chase. Yeah, it's more usually the poliziara where you'll have these kinds of car chases and stuff, but uh-huh. they happen in giallo's enough that it's a giallo box getting checked here. All right, we'll see. Then there you go. We're 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 clicking off all the boxes. Oh yeah, we're filling them in solid black to make sure that the machine catches them. Yes. Uh, so Jameis, Jason is chasing them, but almost hits a kid. And he loses the guy, but then he finds him again by driving down a set of stairs. Uh, Jason's car, they get stuck on a rock and he's not able to get in there. So he gets out and starts running. Oh, that wasn't just a set of stairs. That's technically a street. They're built like that over there where a car can go up, but they build stairs so it's easier for people to walk. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they just have Uh, it slightly inclined, but that was a full-fledged street. But he takes this back alley route because apparently he knows his way through the alleys of everywhere in this fucking town while the director doesn't. And he's able to kind of cut him off, even though he gets stuck and has to abandon his car. He still beats, almost beats him there. And when they figure, uh, when he uh, keeps walking, uh, he follows him into a building. Uh, And as he's looking through the building, he hears a dog and then somebody trying to shut him up. So he goes up to the door and knocks on it. A maid opens it, and Jason forces his way in. Just as he's about to get after the director, the blonde woman, is now brunette, from the hospital, opens up the door, and that's our next clip. Don't be angry with him about those photographs. He thought he was doing the right thing. He only wanted to help me. N'en pas peur, chérie. Les hommes ne devraient plus faire du mal à toi. Oui. I am Lenny Shongawa Samarakis, Igor's mother, the real wife of Nikos, the only legal wife. I've never consented to a divorce, and he wouldn't dare to ask for one. And it all happened 14 years ago. <laughs> for nothing. A boy from the chorus, Nikos surprised us in his dressing room. If he'd be here, I'd do it right again. He was so young. Young and handsome. The boy in the chorus, not Nikos. Have you ever seen Nikos infuriated? It's a horrible sight, mon ami. Yes, I paid a high price for that little escapade, Mr. Porter. Your name is Jason, isn't it? Yes, Jason. You know my name. You're the one who called me the other night, aren't you? Yes. It was me who called you. But I gave you sound advice, you must admit that. We are allies. Whether you like it or not. Take back your Myra. And I'll have my genius husband back again. With all his money. Which belongs to me, too. And Igor. Whom I could only see in secret. Because Nikos has forbidden me even that. Lenny. 
Shongar Samarakis. Not a woman to be dismissed because of stupid bourgeois jealousy. Nikos and I are bound together by far more than mere legal ties. I am the great maestro's masterpiece. Look! And she pulls off her wig to show her head all burnt and scarred. So, uh, Nico must have fucked her up. A history and patterns of abuse and violence towards women. Hmm. Yeah, Nico, man, he sounds just like a real fucking peach, doesn't he? Well, yeah, they're all fucking horrible. Every man in this film for sure is horrible. Yeah, there's not a good man in this fucking film, but fuck it. So, I mean, the cop could qualify, but he's a cop, so therefore automatically a horrible person. I mean, I was about to say, yeah, I think that's how it has to go, right? Yeah, a cab. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Jason then talks to Myra about what he has learned. He professes his love for her, and they kiss. Then they hear Nico and others asking about her. She tells him that she needs time, so because she should be honest with Nico. But it sounds like now she's going to go back to her other abuser uh, from her other abuser. Um, at this point. Jason kind of sits in the auditorium or in the, the, the not auditorium, what, what would you call that? The uh, amphitheater probably is the best word for it. Uh, yeah, it's like a, a ruins of an old school amphitheater that they've repurposed for this stage, basically. Yeah. So uh, as he does do this, uh, he f- kind of falls asleep and a cat kind of hops up on his lap and, you know, uh, and he plays uh, with the cat before falling asleep. And This is one after- of the only good things this character does in the movie. He's super kind to that cat and gets all lovey-dovey with it. Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't lying. He really does love cats. <laughs> and they, at least this one seemed to like him. Yeah. Well, the cat hops down and then starts hissing at something. Um, this actually wakes Jason up, and he just kind of thinks he's waking up, so he decides to walk away. And as he's walking home, he hears the cat howl. He goes looking for it, and loud music begins to play. He stumbles around. He's in the backstage area. And he stumbles right there, and he sees the shoes that were put on the bodies. The music then stops, and we see uh, uh, a man comes in asking if anybody's in there. He hides. And then as he decided to make an escape, he kind of smacks the man and runs out. Well, the guy makes a phone call and says he got a clear look of the person and two more pairs of shoes were stolen. Uh, the next day, we see the museum guard once again approach Jason, asking him if he's ready to, you know, uh, get down and do some business. And he tells him, stay the fuck away from me. I'm... You know, I don't want you around me. So, you know, that guy could go pound. That guy can go pound for some fucking bricks. <laughs> After that, Igor and Jason talk about the case, and that is our next clip. But it could just be coincidence. Igor, five days ago, I photographed one wall of the tomb. Here, you see Tukuka with his eyes not even looking at the young couple, almost as if he were apart from them. And this morning, I photographed the opposite wall of the tomb. Remember, this is a tomb that's been closed for 2,500 years. Now you see Tukoka with a club in his hand murdering two young Etruscans in almost exactly the same way as the first young couple on the motorbike were killed. And then Giselle. Now how can that be a coincidence? But what are you trying to prove, Jason? Surely an Etruscan painter thousands of years ago couldn't have been inspired by a crime that took place this week. And you just told me that no living person could have set foot in this tomb. That's what I want to make sure of. That blackmailer you told me about, that museum guard, has he spoken to you again? 
Yes. He might be a lead. This is starting to seem like this is where they're trying to shoehorn in the whole supernatural aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. Where are the people in the past seeing what's happening in the future whenever this tomb is about to be opened and that's where the paintings are coming in? You know, are they just revealed in time? How did the person see the paintings if they were influenced by them? What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. The movie starts Um, throwing a bunch of questions up in the air that never really kind of come back down. They just kind of hover in the air, and that's it. This is very, very true. So then Jason and two others, they dig into the tomb, and he he sends them on their way, make sure it says no one sees you, because what they're doing is highly illegal. Um, Jason then enters the tomb and investigates it. Uh, As he's looking through it, we see Nico shows up. He tells Jason that Myra is his, and that she has made up her mind that she is through with him. Jason then grabs him by the throat and says he'll hear it from Myra herself, and he tells Jason that he has proof that Jason's a killer, and the only way to stop him uh, to stop him from telling the police would be to kill him. And then at this point, we see Jason walk out of the tomb, but no one else. So you're left to wonder, I guess, what the fuck's going to go on now. So we see the guard. He gets done uh, dicking down his wife. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, and then he's kind of being an asshole to her because this is a Jallo film. So I guess just men are assholes, right? He slaps her on the butt and calls her a fat ass before he walks yeah. out the door. But this seemed like couple play. This seems like something that this couple does. I know she- she, she wasn't really all that happy about it, though. But, I mean, she must like the dicking down she gets, so fuck it, right? I think um, I think it was the smack was too hard because she didn't really seem to take it all that personally. It was just like, she's like, yeah. hey, because he smacked her on the butt. This was, I hate to say this, but the most innocent interaction between a man and a woman in this film as far as violence and or abuse goes. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, you're not wrong there. Uh, I, I, you could argue and or think that maybe this is just the way that this couple interacts but still it's given everything else that we've seen it feels really gross yeah it just never feels quite right right it's because he calls her a fat ass smacks her on the butt and then gets to walk away without being beaten to bloody pulp like what would normally happen if you were to do something so egregious oof so anyway (laughs) um as he leaves to go do some business, she hears a commotion and then some music. So she goes looking around to investigate herself. As she uh, looks around, um, she finds the guard's dead body. And she goes to run down the hallway only to see a shadow of a man coming after her. And we see that she is very much trapped. Uh, and she is not getting away at all. This is uh, not a good thing for her. So dun dun dun. Yeah, right. Um. So then she is. Uh, then she is also killed. Uh. And uh. Sorry. Uh, uh. Man, she was walking around next to nothing on. So I mean, I guess that's a thank you movie, right? Uh. Yeah. Actually, the entire scenes where she's naked. I mean, she is wanting to be naked. We don't see any yes. like brutal sexual activity other than the smack on the ass. So this yeah. whole entire sequence, including her being murdered while naked, is a big thank you movie. There you go. Because she gets clobbered and blood starts hitting her boobs and I'm into that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. And also, I, I figured you were into she when she fell onto the guard's body, she got all bloody from that. So, Oh yeah, that was I really mean, sexy too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I figured you were into that part too. Yeah, and it was almost um, like necrophilia because of how naked she was this this is okay uh anyway that ends that 20 minutes and we start going into our final 20 minutes yeah let's just wrap her up all right so jason he finds the tape recorder and uh next to the two bodies 
and the woman has the shoes on. Jason then is getting ready to leave. Like, he's packing his stuff. He looks like he's leaving town, and he hears music. He comes out, and he sees there's Nico, so Nico's not dead, conducting the symphony. So the play is tonight. Jason finds uh, the director, then Igor, and Igor's mother are all hanging out talking. He asks that the music that Nico is doing right now is the same that's on this tape, and he plays it. And it is. Uh, they both They all confirm that that's Nico doing that years ago. So, 15 years ago. So, Jason leaves. Edgar wants to know from his mother. He goes, the music ends on that tape recorder so abruptly. He says, is that the night where they both had their problem? Uh, And he kind of gets interrupted as the mother gets mad that he's even bringing it up. And he's like, you know, I should be able to know about, you know, everyone kind of knows about your guys' scandal. But you don't quite you know this full story yet. Yeah, we are not privy to this as the audience. So, they are really taunting us with it. And I guess our protection. Jason isn't aware of it yet either and he wants to know more about what's going on but things are coming at him too fast and he just walked away from a murder scene so he's trying to find the killer before well, he wants to know why tape of Nico's music is also playing right but that's it's been the music that's been playing the whole time and now he has it to find out what's going on so yeah he needs to press forward further to find out about like you said Nico's music specifically a specific concert of his where something really bad happened between he and his wife yes so uh, Jason then finds Nico, and Nico's kind of being congratulated by everybody for an amazing symphony, and he gives him the tape recorder. Nico is shocked staring at this tape recorder, and he asks him where he got it, and uh, Jason answers right where you left it, pretty much accusing Nico of being the murderer. And after he does this, Nico is so shocked he begins to have a heart attack. People or he's him. faking it to get out of this confrontation like Pierce in yeah. fucking Community always did. Yeah, that's true. He could be doing that as well. He's pulling I a Hawthorne, dude. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what was going on. So people surround him. Myra's coming, but Jason grabs her and takes her away. Uh, Nico then asks his assistant if she made the call. She said yes. Then he said they were wrong and to take him away. He wants no doctor. He wants no help. He just wants to be taken away. Uh, Jason then tells Myra as they're in the car that he thinks Nico killed the people and that he wants her to decide now whether she's going to stay with Nico or come with him. Uh, as he does that, they get surrounded surrounded by cops. Uh, that night, he gets interrogated by the cops who keep asking him. They keep saying they found the recorder and the probe that they used to take pictures all bloodied up and in the tomb that he that the cops knows that Nico or that uh, uh, he accessed, uh, Jason accessed without permission. So it's looking pretty bad for Jason at this point. Yeah, he's looking all kinds of sus. Yeah. And then just at that moment, they get a phone call uh, and then they find out Nico is dead. They they investigate and they find that he took all the pills that were for his uh, 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 his first heart. Well, he took them all. He's supposed to dissolve like one or two a day in water or something like that. And the guy says something about they're all in this one glass and the guy chugged them or something. Yeah. So um, then uh, they also find a confession letter where Nico confessed to all the murders. 
and it seems to it's his handwriting and everything. The detective then walks up and asks the assistant if she called the cops and told them to check the tomb. She said she did, but she didn't know that the probe would be in the tomb or anything else. She just did, as Nico t- said, because that's what she always did. So I, I, I guess what should be is don't blindly follow people. Just, you know, take it easy. Well, as much as Nico has obviously abused that assistant, I'm not shocked that she just does exactly what he says just to keep from being, you know, hurtled upon with a bunch of fucking abuse. Yeah. That's uh, that's also very true. Because I'm sure he would um, just level more and more fucking abuse on her every fucking yeah. time she even questioned one dumb thing. Bitch, if yeah. she doesn't do what she's told. Yeah, if she needed clarification for anything and doesn't exe- do exactly what she's told, he will fucking pile heaps of aggressive abuse upon her. Yeah. Yep, yep, exactly. So, as the cops talk about it, Jason realizes, uh, you know, the cops are kind of apologizing to Jason, uh, but they realize that the cops don't know about the last two bodies. The cops only know about the three currently dead. Um, He doesn't know about the two new bodies. And then he conducts in his own head that one of the murders, Nico, was definitely out of practice. It couldn't have been Nico doing this. Nico's at the symphony when these two, uh, the last two people were killed. Um, so then he goes looking for Myra's, uh, Myra, and he finds the assistant. She tells him that she and Igor went into that town again. Um, Igor is talking to Myra. We cut to that. And he believes his father is being framed or he's taking the fall for someone he'd love. Uh, then as Jason's driving, he has images of Nico's wife with the scarred head. Um, Igor tells Myra that Nico didn't love many people because she thinks that maybe he's covering for his a- actual wife. But he said, really, he only loved Myra and maybe one other. Then Igor opens up a case and sees that a lot of stuff's gone. But what we do see in there is that uh, last pair of shoes that were stolen that he never used. Um, Igor states that Nico had found his hiding place. Then we see visions of him as a little boy watching his mom get down with this choir singer. Uh, the dad busts in and he throws the mom around and he throws her down right onto a space heater head first. And that's what causes the damage to the mother's scalp. They even show her her on fire. fire. Yeah, it's fucking brutal. It is way fucking brutal. Uh, And the reason for the shoes is the boy keeps seeing uh, the mother when she laid down on the couch, kicked the shoes off, and it landed right to the boy. And he was holding them really tight when he watched all this violence happen. Okay, we need to talk about this. This is more than just him holding on to the shoe. He was getting sexually aroused watching his mother get ready to throw down with the choir boy. He got really into her shoe because he couldn't deal with what was going on in his own mind watching his mom get ready to have sex he's getting all aroused by it so he fixates on her foot as she's kicking the shoe off that becomes the target of his sexual arousal and so he grabs the shoe to take off back with him in the closet while he's gonna watch them throw down and he's not just clutching the shoe for comfort he's clutching the shoe out of sexual arousal and midway through that, the father comes charging in, starts hurtling the abuse around. Mom is set on fire and burned, and he equates all of this with sexual arousal. Yes. It is what triggers and him also and with turns him into dirty. a killer. And also because of his mother cheating, yes, it's it's this horrible thing that people do when they want to hurt someone they love. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. So it's a it's a lot of horrific lessons to be learned here. <laughs> It's a bunch not, of not it's a good. it's a bunch of compounding trauma that has set him off and something brought it to the surface again in the future here that po- possibly his own sexual arousal once again for his would-be stepmother which 
is Myra. And yes. that's probably what's triggered him. And anyone who has had sex within any remote area around this guy has triggered him too. <laughs> and it's mostly about the shoes and it's about the sexual arousal and the violence that happened right on the heels of it that's making him like this. Yes. So he then starts chasing Myra around and we see, you know, now we have like a lot of chase scenes, cat and mouse. Uh, we see Jason driving. Jason actually gets into a car wreck, more chasing, and then a bell starts going off, which causes both Myra and Igor to stop. Myra turns, runs right into a figure, but we see when the lights turn on, that figure was actually Jason. Jason and Edgar have a conversation, and that's our final clip. So you're here too, Jason. I'm so glad you came. Igor. Listen. Remember Giselle? Remember when you realized you had killed her? You wanted to die too. You threw yourself off the loft in the stable, didn't you? She was dirty, like my mother, like all women. She had to die. You and Myra have to die too. Igor, you're still suffering for Giselle. She only wanted to love you. Believe me, Igor, you don't have to suffer anymore. Trust me, we will help you. Igor, are you listening to me? Just then, Igor pops out and attacks them. Um, After some back and forth fighting, which actually wasn't half bad for choreography type stuff. Yeah, both of these actors are game. They're really going for it, and it keeps your attention. Plus, it it helps that the guy's wielding that giant fucking club most of this, too. Yeah, most of the time he is. He's, he's yeah, he's, he's like, all right, let's go. We're wielding giant clubs now. That's how we're going to do this fight. And the parry and, with the uh, candlestick that he knocks the club loose was actually looking like he may have broke the dude's arm, which kind of puts Jason in this whole, like, tough guy hero light, even though he's an abusive piece yeah. of shit, and that's probably a move he's used on his own wife probably yes very much so uh after a while he said edgar who looks like he's about ready to get the upper hand because it doesn't seem like jason is willing to kill edgar either at one point he has edgar dead to rights or igor edgar igor dead to rights but he's not willing to kill him and actually drops that candlestick showing him hey listen man i I don't want to hurt you well in in jason's mind this guy's sick too and i think he's trying to like give him an opportunity like you don't have to do this it doesn't have to go this way you don't have to die and, and i think they're and i also think that jason considers igor e- uh, a friend he's one of the only guys he's actually talked to right well there's that and then he's also a kindred spirit because they're both deeply troubled violent towards women assholes yeah with that as well i mean i guess maybe they should start a fucking club called pieces of shit <laughs> incels yeah go ahead yeah yeah incels there you go they they did start a club um after, but then, right when it seems like Edgar may kill uh, uh, Jason, he sees his reflection in some glass, and that bothers him. And then his reflection changes that into his little boy self, and he freaks out and he busts the glass. Then he picks up a shard of glass, and he once again goes to his little boy self. So that's when he decides to say fuck it, and he stabs himself with that shard of glass, killing himself. Roll credits. Thank you. 
so the killer took his own life because it was far too painful to still be alive and live with the memory of what it was that he had done and what it was that he had seen. And you kind of wonder if him falling in love and also being sexually attracted to his would-be stepmother, Byra, while still being somewhat attracted to his own mother and all of that <laughs> that entails with the violence is what kind of sent him over the ledge here. You don't really know. It's like they kind of opened up the tomb and then something he got fixated on something having to do with the sacrifice with the photos in the tomb and maybe that was the linchpin the final straw that just kind of pushed well, him over the edge i also think what pushed him over the edge was the woman wanting to love him the third murder and all this i think that probably is what sent him over the edge because you probably never had somebody want to you know love him in that manner so and then that threw him over the yeah but the first murder that takes place is just a couple that want to go off and fuck in the tomb so, so there had to be uh, yeah. something that was setting him off before that I mean he's probably like the pressure of dealing with the fact that he knows that this girl's starting to love him and yeah. all of these feelings start to arise with everything that happened um, maybe it was the girl's feet because he gets triggered that way when he puts the shoes on their feet that's true um, <laughs> maybe it was the shoes in the be- show because the shoes could have triggered him. could be seeing that demon's eyes and being like, holy shit, you know, just something about it struck him the wrong way. Yeah, there's a bunch of different options for what may have set the killer off in this, and their motivation is essentially just they're deranged from witnessing the burning of their mother for her sexual proclivities by the father who was being cuckolded. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's enough to damage just about anybody. So there's a lot of stuff in this story, meat and potatoes, why? that ticks all the boxes for the giallo and makes it a good giallo flick. The, the mystery aspect of it is actually quite good. The problem is that there is not a likable male character to be found anywhere near this film. No. Really none. kind of at all. They're all scumbags and there's all horrible shit that they do. They're all dangerous, horrific people who should not be looked up to or not be treated as fucking heroes because none of them are yeah it's despicable and it's hard to watch and the things that these men do and then to have the one be set off as sort of our hero and to know that she's just going to go off to a life of more torture and abuse from this asshat you know this is not a happy ending it's just she survives oh, great I mean at but- one point he's like no I'll quit drinking for you it'll be easy as long as I have you that's not how getting clean works off of if you're an alcoholic just not it's not so fuck you yeah but that is good. that is a total abuser's line where as long as I have oh, you, yeah. I won't have to. Look I, what you'll I, make me do if you leave, you know? Yeah, I'll I'll kill myself if you leave. That's an abuser's classic line. <sighs> um, yeah. Yeah. Just just rough. <laughs> Some rough, rough, rough stuff here. <laughs> it, the thing I find the most disturbing and I think the most upsetting is that is he trying to be portrayed as a likable, you know, troubled man who does in fact love his wife? Or I think so. did they know that he was a scumbag piece of shit this entire time? That's the, the thing that I'm worried about. Because like I said, I've seen a lot of Jallo where it's kind of okay for the guys to be pieces of shit and they treat women like this. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I think he really, they're, they, I think they're like, no, this guy's he's our anti-hero he's he's fucking cool right everyone yeah you know all that kind of shit so look how broken and troubled he is yeah 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 (laughs) oh will anybody be able to fix him she could fix him 
All, all that kind of fucking horseshit. So, yeah. Yeah, I think he's supposed to be the hero. Yeah. If you have that in mind when you go in to watch the film, I think it's a lot less uh, difficult to take. The second time I watched it, it was certainly easier to sit through the horrific shit that happens in this film. Uh, I just kind of took it as a slice of life, and it was almost a little too realistic for my taste on how the men were treating the women in this film. But Yeah, I, I agree. I think, uh, and especially for anybody who uh, has to deal with that kind of horrific violence and and, and, and abuse. Um, Yeah. yeah. That's going to be a hard one to, it's going to give you some triggers for sure. Um, However, I will say the murder mystery aspects of it, the investigation aspects of it, um, the film's set pieces, the cinematography, everything is really well put together and it is a really well-made film. The problem is, is that the characters are so visceral and so troubling that it does affect you in that sort of negative tone. Um, I can say that on the second watch, that was significantly less painful for me. But the first time around is the reactions that are my quote unquote notes for us to discuss this, because that's the kind of thoughts that go through your head while you're watching it. Like, Jesus Christ, do I have to root for this guy? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you are very not wrong. It's uh, it's it's some gross ass shit, and uh, but I'm with you. I like cinematography. I even like the story. Um, I like uh, the acting was pretty good. I mean, I know it's a dubbed movie, you know, it's you know, so oh, it was originally in inter- Italian. But- interesting, uh, interesting fact here. This is one of the few very rare dubs where almost the entirety of the cast is using their original voices to dub in English. Really? Yeah. Maybe that's what helped it out so yeah. much. Then. Yeah, because they were um, able to sync it up so much better, and the actors were able to recreate what they were doing on the day. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, so I liked all that. Uh, I thought uh, that ending fight scene was uh, really good. I, you know, I wasn't going up there expecting much, but uh, I thought it was uh, done really well. Yeah, the violence and, is very realistic, very visceral, and feels like you are actually witnessing that kind of violence. Yeah, you like. I, I the guy who played Edgar, I think he did a great job in playing a manic that bad. You know, like who's who's you really felt like you were watching a man who fucking just is losing his mind in front of you, and he doesn't want to. And like you said, like even Jason says, he's he he feels bad that he killed the woman because I think he loved her. The the second girl, uh, his girlfriend. I think he did love her, but he just snapped, and that's why he tried to kill himself. Well, yeah, um, this entire situation is what kind of triggered him, and he was in denial and had deeply repressed all of that to be able to function. And I think the combination of the love, the mother being back in the picture and fighting with the father, the abuse the father was hurling around at people in his presence, the opening of the tomb, all of this stuff kind of mixed together and sent him over the edge. And he plays it really well. If you go back and rewatch him, you can sort of see him fraying around the edges while he's talking yeah. to people. You do see it. It's it's a little more obvious. The actor's doing it very subtly, but it's very well done. So I just yeah. wanted to interject that and trying to, you know, expand on what you're saying there. Yeah. So either way, uh, you know, like I said, I like the acting. Uh Giallo films, of course, I like their mystery aspect. It's uh always fun to watch. Uh so yeah. Uh yeah, I in the end I liked it. Uh the violence and the the the, the abuse kinda oof hurts and seeing how there's no real good guy male characters in this sucks a little bit. You know, that you know, that pretty much every male in this fucking movie is a piece of shit. 
that kind of sucks part. But uh, other than that, I uh, I enjoyed it. All right. And all of the stuff that we were discussing there, including the abuse, the past childhood trauma, the past sexual awakening that turns into trauma, all of this stuff, Giallo box is being ticked. Like I said, yeah. it checks every fucking Giallo-y box you can find on a this Giallo. This might be so. one of the most Giallo films, yeah, we've ever seen. <laughs> uh, so far that we've covered, yeah, but not necessarily that we've that, that I've seen anyway. because I've Oh, definitely oh seen yeah. That. Well, maybe the ones we've covered. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you seem to really like them. And the more that I've sprinkled in, the happier you have made me. So uh, we got a couple of Giallo box sets that I just bought and some other Giallo movies that will be coming up next year as well, I'm sure. So Awesome. Yeah. And actually, uh, two weeks from now, we will have Eyeball, which is Umberto Lenzi, um, who has made a plethora of films. Some of them good. Some of them amazing. Some of them not so great. But Eyeball, That's- I am ex- super, super excited for to cover because awesome. it's one of my favorites of his. He didn't do a lot of Giallis. Lindsay ended up going into like the more exploitation round uh, uh-huh. realm of stuff. Like he did a lot of fucking cannibal movies and that kind of stuff and Poliziera films, stuff like that. But like Giallos were not as much for Lindsay. So the handful that we do get are quite delicious. And Eyeball is one of my favorites of his. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So that's two weeks from this time frame that we got another jello coming up already all right yeah all right i'm 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 done doing movie I'm reviews done. let's let's do some sign up news right all right all right let's take the break here we'll have a little bit more music that fits in with the swinging 70s and that kind of vibe feel trying to cheer some shit up because of how dark this episode is yeah man i mean we really were touching on some serious shit and when we come back we'll do some sign up news are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Siegfried. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a Sweekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather.
Big shout out to Big Papa Bo for giving me access to this website. This has uh, been a, a real lifesaver to give me the kind of feeling that I'm going for without actually infringing upon the copyrights of the artists. Nice. Yeah, so it definitely helps. So thanks again, Bo. I don't know if you even make it this far into our shows or not. Maybe you do. He says I he, he listens. I, I hope he does because, I mean, he's putting us out on the network and he needs to know what horrible yes. things we bring for people when we give them Psyop News. one from our man in the field, Mr. Rubber. All right, our cub reporter. Yes, from the Independent. And once again, another orgy involving at least 81 people have been raided by police in France for breaking COVID rules. Shoot What's some with fucking all ropes. the orgies? <laughs> I'm uh, telling you. Can't get enough of them, I guess. I don't know. I, I guess not. All right. Well, French police shut down a warehouse orgy with at least 81 participants on the outskirts of Paris because it well, breached COVID or coronavirus protocols. Well, first of all, you should not be having orgies because it's a gathering of people yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. Otherwise, orgies and are no perfectly one- fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this wasn't just during the global pandemic, uh, we're, we're, everything's okay. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not telling you how to live your life. Yeah, but just be safe and on, wrap people, it up. It always yeah, comes back a, to dick. It really does. Always and looking a pandemic for Wang. Going on. It's going to cost you some serious cock. But you have to stay away during a pandemic, so... You have to. Afraid it's of vaginas. So important. No, In I'm other horse sex news. In other... <laughs> so anyway, um... Locals alerted police to a party taking place in Collegian, around 20 miles from the center of Paris on Friday night. Officers yes, you arrived can't on- have sex by sticking an erect penis into a vagina. This is true. This vagina is true. smells I, like dead body. I don't know all about that, but I know that first part is true. I went to health class. You want to Officer- do a little ass play? <laughs> Officers arrived on the scene at around 9 p.m. and found 11 people in the car park, who they find 135, whatever they get paid in France. Uh, uh, for breaking France's what? Franks. Franks. Eleven hundred thirty-five francs for breaking France's coronavirus curfew, which restricts movement from six p.m. to six a.m. Gotta love a you girl know, because, who can take a punch. You know, because they have a government that cares. The loving three-way with a corpse. That's the kind of I mean, orgy I want to go to. Yeah, but I mean, you have to wait. <laughs> Until, afraid of know. vaginas? No, I'm afraid of corona. Duh. Yeah, duh. Not vaginas. I corona. think that's going in the spank bank. I mean, you guys can do whatever you need to do. I, I, I'm not here to tell you how to live your lives. Just mostly because I put my penis inside of you, bareback. Hey, how about this? What are you guys going to do? Just fucking wash your hands, okay? Always oh, looking for Wang. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the local magistrate, uh, or at 11 p.m., offers her granted legal permission to enter the warehouse where a large number of people were engaged in an orgy. I've had local seven ma- dicks inside of me. Could be heard in the but, background. Probably. I'm local taking mag- another dick, said someone you know, as they walked away from the buffet. That sounds like a lowball number two for an 81 person orgy. I'm me. just saying. Can be heard screamed everywhere. <laughs> local magistrate sitting in the emergency session. Authorized police to confiscate sound systems and light installations, along with alcohol in the rave. Everyone will be coming on my face. Now that is a fucking orgy, man. If they have a lighting package and a sound <laughs> they did. system. 
a South, they got everything, man. They're they're fucking. They're like, yeah, man. We're just fucking killing it over here. They're going out with a bang for sure. Yeah, they're like, what do you guys do with your lives? And I'm like, not fucking much. I'm I have sorry. a raging erection. I mean, I don't right now, but come back to me in an hour or so. Oh, I do have some audio actually from that orgy. Oh, okay. While they're being arrested. Yeah, I'm already getting arrested. I might as well grab this guy's dick. Yeah, I mean that might have been said. I. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't fucking think it wouldn't. <laughs> oh, I, I guess this is when um the crime scene cleanup folks came in. What's with oh, okay. all that asshole cream? What is with all that asshole cream? I'm I'm curious about it as well. Because oh. it's super hot, you should be able to fuck one time. I mean, if you're in Alabama, I would say yeah. I'm not kink shaming you on your death fetish. I think you are. Um, if you want to watch ass and eat popcorn. A total of 81 people were handed fines for breaking curfew, and three people thought to be involved in organizing the Libertine Party were taken in for questioning. The event was in breach of the curfew, and there were also problems with masks and social distancing, an investigator said. You just I'm fucking sure. ass as balls wiggled in and out. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm pretty fucking sure there was a problem with social distancing during the fucking orgy. <laughs> Booty juice, booty juice, gotta have it now. Did he stick was, the needle down his pee hole? If there was proper social distancing, I don't think you get to call it an orgy. I spilled pee all over the place, but I cleaned it up. I don't know what they got a problem with. It's it's like all of this could possibly be said. <laughs> This is like traces of death fucked a porno. Those those involved in the Libertine Party cooperated cooperated with police, and there was no resistance to the police. It is uh, the latest story involving a European orgy breaking lockdown rules to emerge in the past few weeks. In December, uh, and we reported this on this show, in December, Belgian police broke up a 52-person orgy in a house close to the COVID clinic. This came just after a far-right Hungarian MEP Joseph Sanjar resigned after taking in part in a Brussels sex party. We also did that story as well. Of course. If there's one story Cinema PsyOps always does, it's about orgies. Flip. Probably. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, another another, or, another orgy. Um, <laughs> I like how you say that. Yeah, another orgy. And I'm going to fuck it to death. The entire orgy? And I'm going to fuck it to death. All right, fair. I, I mean... That sounds like something you might try to do, Court. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, whenever that happens, it's probably going to be like this. Hey, bro, I can't get it up, and I'm going to fuck it to death as soon as I can. Yeah, I mean, you probably like, uh, I mean, performance anxiety. I mean, one out of five. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't threaten someone with your penis if you can't get it up. Clip. Clip. (laughs) Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. It's micro-penis time. Christ, let's go lick some assholes. Uh, I've... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that was probably said too. <laughs> My HPV will cure what ails you. All kinds of things you don't want on your dick. I mean, I'm sure like almost all of our clips probably could be things that were said at an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kick shame you for the stabbing fetish, okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that could be said at an orgy, an argument. Not I'm sure shape, there are arguments in orgies. I don't know how to perform orgies. an abortion. Not <laughs> in shape, but I don't know how to perform an abortion. <laughs> that could be said, too, at an orgy. Man, that's just the worst <laughs> hand job ever. <laughs> that's definitely probably been said at an orgy. Yes, you can't have sex by sticking an erect penis into a vagina. 
If that has to be explained, I don't know how you got invited to the orgy. <laughs> Why are you coming in public swimming pools? That's actually a really good question. Go jerk off in a Petri dish. Well, I, I mean, that could be said. Yeah, I don't know what someone's kink is. That's my fetish. Well, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of fetishes. <laughs> I hooked up with a bad boy. I started doing drugs after that. Oh, fuck. When did I say that? <laughs> That's two different clips. That's two different clips. I nice. hooked up with a bad boy. That's one. I started doing drugs after that. Fuck. All right. <laughs> well played. Well played. Does this make me gay? I hooked up with uh, a I bad mean, boy. Does this make I, me gay? If I hooked up with a bad boy, yeah, that would definitely, yeah, that would definitely do it. Or at least, at least uh, fluid, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, you could be, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you'd be at least bi. <laughs> at least for that moment, anyway, for that bad boy that you hooked up with. <laughs> Just for that particular bad boy i guess i don't know what i'm doing over here (laughs) (laughs) sometimes the heart just wants what the heart wants and why heart wants what the heart wants why do we have to put labels on a spectrum man just just Uh, be matt just be just be yeah (laughs) jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) and with that we're gonna play the ending legion promo and we're gonna get everybody the fuck out of this weird ass episode this has been a weird night that's for damn sure this has been this has been weird the clips were on point though for the orgy story And we're going to come back and have a little bit of music to close out this fucking show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcast, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. That was fucking horrible. If you got funky psyops, you probably take a shower, wash up. It won't be so funky no more. (laughs) You got to do something about that.
<laughs> you can find uh, previous instances of where we sang along to stuff when we probably shouldn't have. Legionpodcast.com <laughs> forward slash cinema dash psyops. That is our landing and launching page for our 286 previous episodes of just weird, funky inanity that is this show, including incidents where we sang and probably should not have. Yeah, we really should not have. You can also join our Facebook group, Cinema Psyops. Just search groups for Cinema Psyops and you'll find us right there. And you can tell us how we should probably not be singing along to the music ever fucking again. That was awful. I mean, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. We shouldn't, and definitely not funk. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> funk is definitely not us, even though I really yeah. do love that music. You can find me there on Facebook, Court Psyops. You can also find Matt there as Matt Psyop. Hey, hey, you can love music, but, but it doesn't mean you should be singing it. <laughs> You can also email feedback to Matt, psyopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know that he is definitely the one that should not be singing. Uh, I, you would get an enthusiastic, yeah, I agree. And then I'd sing anyway, because I, I have the music in me. Also, you never check your email, so you won't even respond to it anyway. That's a fucking great A fact. You can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know that you really miss the days when he could play music that he didn't have to worry about copyright infringements for, because the show was so much better then. Oh, man, we miss it too, guys. Trust us. <laughs> yeah. But people aren't fucking cool and they make bots. <laughs> you can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shit fest that is currently reformed as a porn bot utopia known as Twitter. I'm at court underscore psyop and he is at psyop Matt. Beautiful finding all the porn bots. <laughs> I'm at That's the great creations. I'm at the point now where I'm like, I'm supporting independent porn creators here <laughs> instead of big name Did porn. I'm mom and pop stores. <laughs> you know what? That's good thing. Thing, though we got it that's what you gotta do during this covid crisis what we should always be doing during the covid crisis supporting mom and pop shops whether it's restaurants grocery stores porn it's whatever you gotta do to help the little guy some girl yeah. you knew in high school's only fans because she needs the money go for yeah. it support it, your small businesses support it listen the heat doesn't stay on by itself all right and it's like that it, we're getting into a bitterly cold winter here people yes extremely so now if you want to stay warm at night the best place to never try to do that is on our instagram page cinema right, underscore get... psyops it's a very cold harpless meme factory on that page <laughs> Just a cold bean factory, my friends. <laughs> we repurpose your means. That's all we do there. That's not going to keep you warm. Yeah, and by we, he means me because I do all the yeah. work on that. Well, I mean, yeah, that's 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 Court's Instagram. Yeah, so. I'm bitterly stealing your memes and repurposing them for the entirety of the people there on the cinema underscore psyops that is the gram of Insta. Oh, it is so bitterly cold out there right now, and we're all tired, and no one trusts anybody anymore. But nope. <laughs> Just everything sucks. But what you're going to need to do, get yourself a blanket, snuggle up with someone that you love, and kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch.
Hey, fuckers, religion's bullshit. God's not real. I mean, okay, do I have to still live with that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, constantly. Believe me, there's plenty of other clips I have that you would have to live with that I'm being very kind and not playing. (laughs) Thank you for that, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you start recording on your side? Uh, And I am one, two, three. All right, waveform looks good. It's got your snowball mic all that picked out. Yep, everything's good. All right, and you heard yourself there, I'm assuming? Yes, I, I sure did. Okay. I, I thank you for that. I Again. saw everything. I did see everything. Who is that guy? I don't know, but whoever he was, he's weird and pissed off. <laughs> what is that from? The Wraith, dude. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoever he is, weird and pissed off. <laughs> Oh, all right. I for, fucking forgot about the wraith. Got, you got your notes, everything? You're all set? Yep, all, all right. set. All right, let's just fucking get this over with. Word up. Nico is so shocked he begins to have a heart attack. Or he's faking it to get out of this confrontation like Pierce in yeah. fucking community always did. Yeah, that's true. He could be doing that as well. He's pulling I a Hawthorne, dude. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if that's what was going on. So, uh, at this point, uh, uh, fuck, I lost my place again. You just had to mention fucking Hawthorne from Community, and now I have to sit here. Snuggle up with someone that you love and kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. That is probably the sweetest outro that I've also followed up with enthusiastically telling people to kick the fuck out of a week. <laughs> yeah, right. Make it to make it your bitch. <laughs> All right. And I have stopped recording.